Yeah, the audio is a lot better. Thanks for doing that. Okay, Paul, here we go. Round two. In five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome, everyone, to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today, folks, is Paul Allard, the Chief Ecosystem Officer at Impact Ratings. Paul, thanks for being with us today. It's a real pleasure joining you, Kevin. Course. Now, Paul, you just got back from a long, long walk in Europe. Tell us a little bit about that. What were you doing hiking out there all those miles? Oh, that's a that's a that's a tricky question. So I just walked for 22 days in a row, uh, um, over 500 kilometers, and the idea was uh, it was a dream that I was uh, I wanted to do that for over 10 years, just walking. Uh, with your pack sack with about 22 pounds on your back and uh, day after day and just uh, meeting yourself uh, in full nature in the south of France. So, Paul, help me understand, is this to push yourself? Is this just to be out in nature, to be more immersive with Mother Nature? Help me understand kind of the motive around this walk. It's really, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's about that, but it's also about being with yourself and uh, and uh, alone and in in kind of a in a meditative uh, uh, mode for uh, for most of the day and meeting people doing the same thing on the same uh, uh, on the same uh, uh, camino on the same uh, path. So that's that was quite interesting and in wonderful countries, uh, wonderful small cities uh, of uh, with a lot of history was uh, was pretty impressive. Amazing. And tell me about the group of individuals you went with. I mean, was this uh, planned out with best friends? Was this with no, other? No, no, no. I was, I was uh, totally alone. But uh, you always meet people on the same, uh, on the same. Uh, it's the G G R uh, uh, sixty five in France, and uh, you walk, uh, and uh, you meet people doing the same thing. But uh, you, you mostly meet them at night in in uh, small. Uh, uh, hotels and uh, at uh, and and you walk the day after and you cross the same people walking at their speed and and doing the same thing. You know, it's interesting. I had another discussion with an Impact CEO earlier today, and we were talking about how much dopamine is extracted from our cell phones, from screen time, uh, and just what what effect that has on humanity as a whole in today's day and age, what that's going to do for another generation. Um, what were some of the takeaways from this walk? It, it's, a, it's a great uh, intro. Well, the, the fact of not using your phone for 22 days and not uh, being uh, uh, in front of your computer with all these mails that you receive and not being in this, uh, this uh, kind of uh, productive mode is quite interesting because you you think a lot. You think you get into another dimension that uh, uh, at the end you ask yourself what's what's important in life, what's your priorities, and you come up with things that you need to slow down the, the pace. You need to enjoy uh, uh, in 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 w- what is your present time. So. When you think of your the past, you you stress. When you think of the future, you stress again. The real uh, reality that gets you close to happiness is live your uh, 
each moment uh, as intensely as you can. You know, there's a lot to say about that, right? And and being present. We're not focused on the stress of the future or maybe about, you know, your decisions that you made a week prior in the past. But being present and focused on here, the now, is really important now. A lot of, uh, you know, individuals will think, well, how does the CEO take off so much time when they're so busy? Um, you know, how do they have time for this? I'm working every single day. Uh, what are some of the benefits that come from your company mm. by giving yourself this meditation, uh, this time? And how do you think that really impacts the rest of your organization? Well, remember what you just told me about five minutes ago. You said, look, Paul, let's do the podcast and be there. Close your phone, concentrate, just have fun, and, and let's have a conversation where I listen, you listen. I, we exchange and we, and, and that's quality time. So at the end, and, and bear with me, it's the first time since uh, I've created impact that I left uh, for real holidays, but, uh, but the benefits of this for my partners and my, uh, my staff is to have me uh, uh, not have me for a month. It was great. <laughs> Just kidding. But they, they had a lot of fun taking, uh, taking the company, uh, uh, reins and making sure it was going in the right direction while I wasn't there. First, it's uh, it's empowering them. And secondly, it, it demonstrates that uh, I can be replaced. And that's a very powerful uh, uh, feeling. You know, it's interesting. A lot of CEOs and leaders, like they, they want to do that, but they're maybe scared of what others will think of them. What were some of the pushbacks that you were thinking of before getting out and away from the company? Well, to be honest with you, it, I, I don't really cared about what others thought. I, I knew that it was time for me. It was healthy for me. It was needed for me. It was, uh, it was planned. I didn't, I didn't improvise that. It was planned six months ahead. So people knew that I was uh, leaving. So uh, in, in, in it's, I recommend that to 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 most of the leaders or anybody to take time for themselves. Amazing, Paul. Well, I think that's that's a nice way to kind of open up this podcast and kind of say, hey, let's take time to be present today. You know, really in this conversation to learn about all the impactful resources and benefits of impact ratings and kind of the organization that you guys are developing, growing to make sure that we can make the world a better place. Help me understand a little bit about maybe your roots, Paul, before we learn a little bit about impact ratings. Tell us about your journey. What's your origin? Well, I'm a, a Midwest Canadian born, so based, uh, uh, born in Winnipeg, uh, in the middle of Canada. Um, I studied uh, music. I'm a cellist by training. I've studied also civil engineer. I never worked in that field. And I started my uh, my uh, entrepreneur career after uh, being in the entertainment world for about 10 years. I did an MBA in finance and I floated my first uh, company, a tech company in uh, 2000. So in the middle of the uh, uh, pure bubble, it's a very exciting time. So just to give you a, a background uh, where um, I had, uh, I remember in the year 2000, I worked for uh, with an uh, investment banking uh, firm that helped us to do the uh, going public transaction. 
and I learned everything, or uh, I thought I knew everything uh, coming out from school and uh, in finance. I thought I knew a lot about finance, but uh, I uh, quickly understood that what was doing being done on the, on the uh, on the floor was had nothing to do with what I learned. And I have to be honest, I was kind of. Uh, not really impressed about uh, the uh, the goal of all this and what was done and how it was done and uh, things that uh, most of us don't even know. Uh, and uh, that was my first uh, 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 learning about what the financial world was all about and how it uh, went in the, the wrong direction to, to help us as a society uh, achieve uh, sustainability. So have you always correlated business with being a servant to the planet, to the people and profits? If so, what, or if not, when did that view really change for you? Was it while mm. you were working in finance? Yeah, it's a good question. So my first company had nothing to do with uh, whatsoever sustainable development. It was a pure uh, tech play that uh, did uh, uh, kind of a interface between in that time what television was uh, the mobile uh, phone word and internet so it was a, a software and but but uh, with time uh, I, I got involved in a sustainable development uh, web television where a project where it was a huge success in terms of viewership but we lost a lot of money and that was my second lesson is that if we want to have a systemic change, we can't count on good intentions. We need to put in place some systems that uh, uh, gets every uh, uh, players, every uh, uh, stakeholders have no choice to get into the same uh, play as uh, uh, in terms of really create as a, as creating a systemic change. So this was... Uh, uh, it, it grew on me, and today, uh, to be honest with you, I would never, uh, when I sold my last uh, um, participation in my last uh, venture in 2014, I left, uh, I, I traveled a bit, and I did some M&A, but I would never thought I would come back and, and recreate another startup because it, it, it generates a lot of gray hair. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. And but But since it was a mission-based company, that uh, we were to create, uh, it was the only way that I would get back and and have all this stress and that uh, these responsibilities of of building a company. Um, today, yeah, I would even go further. I would say that uh, any entrepreneur that do not put in their business plan uh, one of that these pillars to try to solve any uh, one of these uh, these problems or these challenges evoked by the 17 uh, SDGs, these 17 Sustainable Development Goals uh, established by the UN, I think it's it's kind of a waste of time. And uh, innovation should be triggered and focused not only to innovate stuff, but to really try to deal with these challenges that uh, we collectively face. That's my belief. So, so tell us about the the systems change that Impact Ratings is working on. Uh, tell us a little bit about the the, yeah. the company and, and the, the services that it provides. Well, well, let's start from in what system. I think that we live actually a very exciting time mm -hmm. where we're in a system change. 
and I'll come back to that. But prior to that, we we as a group since 1971, we are in a financial economy mode. And, and this was uh, uh, specifically uh, uh, identified as uh, in 1971 when Nixon, uh, the uh, United States president, had to fund one of its projects called Vietnam War. And to do so, he wanted to print money from its central bank and to do so he had to uh, had no limit he didn't want any limits so he decided to uh, stop uh, being part of the uh, uh, the international uh, 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 deals that the international uh, uh, Bretton Woods uh, um, uh, deals that they had signed after the war and so he decided to uh, to extract itself himself from that that international uh, contract that the, uh, the 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 world had signed where uh, central banks had to had uh, a link with uh, or gold or at least a reserve of gold and so he started to print money and that started uh, what we call uh, the uh, uh where central banks started to print money without having uh, um, a gold reserve. And in 1971, it leaded to a crisis in 1973 with a German bank that went bankruptcy and, and they created the ball uh, uh, committee that uh, were all the banks together that decided to uh, self-regulate. And they came back to their uh, the, each of the, in, in their countries and they, they asked uh, uh, each of their countries to stop uh, 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 making loans from their central banks, but to, to uh, ask it to be uh, to have uh, uh, to to ask money from uh, the private banks so that the private banks could make more money. So essentially, that when it triggered the financial economy that led after uh, deregulations after deregulations to the crises in two thousand and eight. So that was that's a system based on a storytelling uh, that is uh, based on uh, uh, theories um, from uh, um, an economist called uh, uh, in the Chicago School, uh, Milton Friedman, that uh, essentially uh, said, uh, said stuff that in real life never, uh, uh, never were demonstrated. And, but all of the schools, everybody uh, that were trained in finance, trained in business, were convinced that these were the rules that uh, had to be in, in, in put in place. And that's what I'm calling a system change. When you see that, that there's a storytelling, there's a paradigm shift that is happening, and that today uh, we all uh, do not believe in the fact that the trickle-down approach or the uh, that uh, when we let the market self-regulate that it happens or when the state has... Uh, it can't intervene, which is not the reality. In 2008, it's the state that saved the banks. Well, uh, that's what I call a, a system change. And today, we're in that system change due to the fact that uh, first, there's uh, uh, two things that uh, collides together. The first is that uh, for the last 15 years, there's some uh, scientists that says that there's a kind of an effect of what the human beings are doing on the climate change. And today, uh, everybody sees that and understands that and uh, accepts that as a fact. 
And the other crisis was uh, the uh, the COVID-19 crisis that uh, led to uh, uh, a lot of, uh, of incredible decision-making from states. And this these two things colliding together with this, uh, this uh, climate change uh, crisis well leads to another paradigm and another uh, uh, system that will emerge, which I call the impact economy, an economy where every uh, single actor of that economy will not only take its business decisions based on financial uh, 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 results, uh, but will take its decisions. And when I talk about decisions, I'm taking of buying decisions, lending decisions, investing decisions, taxing decisions and go on, not only based on the financial results of an organization, but on the impact uh, uh, statement and results of an organization also. And this is what we're currently living today. And at the end, it's a systemic change because the social permit to operate for an organization today is more and more to show and to demonstrate that they're not only successful on the financial side, but mitigating their negative impact on environment and social and trying to generate positive impact on environment and social issues. And that's a paradigm shift and that's a system change. And whether you believe in it or not, an organization, a company to receive a, a, a loan or to have an investment will need to demonstrate that they're on that, on that path to do business. And that's a systemic change. It's not only good intentions, it's really a systemic change where uh, banks will ask you to have your impact report. Um, investors will ask you to have your impact report if you're uh, an entrepreneur and uh, you'll have no choice to produce them and to demonstrate that you're doing the right thing. That's very interesting, Paul. And I just want to unpack this a little bit because for the layman out there listening to this, they're like, huh, what? 1971, Nixon took us off the gold standard. How does that relate to impact finance and me getting a loan next year? It's really an, an interesting point. I've never heard anyone compare it to the 1971 switch. And I really like how you tied it into Milton Friedman's philosophy of maximizing shareholder value is the sole uh, purpose of a business. Obviously, people trying to redefine that now with the 17 UNSDGs. You used a few words in there, such as social permit. So help me understand first, are you, <clears throat> I mean, I guess people have tacitly agreed that now money is the means of exchange, right? Um, when we took it off the gold standard, and as the saying goes, gold is money, everything else is a promise, right? So you kind of take off the gold standard. We have now changed the narrative to tacitly agree that we are going to be accepting this money and working with fed, federal regulators to do this. Now, what you're saying is, if I am a company trying to get a loan to help grow my business, that I, which is what all entrepreneurs need, all businesses need, that I'm going to have to go to that bank and provide some type of social credit or some type of um, report that a bank is going to look at to make sure that, hmm, I'm going to reduce my risk of lending money to this organization because they're applying by such or set regulations. Is that kind of a fair synopsis of what you're predicting? Yes, yes. It, it, it's exactly that. 
it's it's today in Europe. There's no uh, 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 companies uh, with uh, a certain size. We're talking of 300,000 companies that have no choice to year after year not only report on their financial statements, but also report on their impact, social environmental uh, impact. And, and, and why? Because the banks, it's a regulation in, in Europe, have they have to put and take into account when they do a risk assessment of a loan, what are the impact on environment and social of this company on their, their return, but also on the environment and social. So what we call a double lens, a double materiality approach, and they have to report that. And this will come in the United States. It will come in North America and it will be worldwide. So it's exactly it, the banks, and all the system, all the companies, it's more and more recognized that you as an organization, you need not only to uh, optimize your profits, but you need to uh, be successful in terms of finance, but by making sure that you mitigate your uh, negative impacts on the environment and social, because at the end, it's all the society that needs to pay for that. And you need also to try to catch up and think of a model where you can uh, generate a positive impact on the environment, on the social aspects. If you can, and if you do, you'll probably be more attracted by investors and you, uh, investors will be more attracted to your model because that's the future. And so you will see some entire field and sectors decrease and hopefully rapidly and some other sector explode and increase and grow. And that's uh, what we're talking about. And, and how do you see that unfolding? Because right now, Paul, it's already difficult to get a loan as it is, right? Interest rates are going up. Now on top of this, I've got to make sure I have my metrics. What are some of those metrics that I myself as a business owner have to now take into account? Well, it's regular, any businesses, uh, whatever it is in every field has a negative uh, impact on certain aspects of environment or social. And it's not the same if you're uh, beer uh, 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 in, in the beer sector or building cars or uh, a law firm. And you need to take into account those negative impact and put systems in place to mitigate these negative effects. And this is common language when we call of sustainability. Uh, when you think of a, a move like uh, Patagonia that, uh, that uh, reverted all its wealth to uh, a foundation that will take care of nature, that, that is, 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 is quite the extreme, but it's, it's going in that direction. So as a company, you'll need to demonstrate to your banker that you're mitigating the risks related to your organization in, 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 uh, on the negative uh, aspects of those risks related to environment and social, because the bank is taking a, a higher risk if you don't, because society will recognize that if you pollute, if you uh, hire and do not pay, or you violate some certain rules, there's a financial risk, midterm, long-term, and, and that a bank will not uh, necessarily want to take, and he will uh, charge you higher interest rate if you're not on the right path. And, and let's say, you know, just to play on this role, like 
this paradigm shift does happen. So if I'm a listener out here, whether you agree with this or not, it could happen. You want to prepare yourself uh, way in advance to make sure that you'll be able to have these reports readily available. Now, Paul, help me understand from a banker's point of view, what are some of the metrics I'm going to be interested in looking at before I provide set company a loan? So, so that's a very interesting question. So coming back, maybe prior to answering your question, sure. what we do at Impact Ratings, that's exactly that. We provide financial institutions, lenders, and investors with an impact statement of any private or listed companies based on a universe uh, consensual standard. It's not ours. It's a standard that was established uh, in 2015. So essentially it says, if you're a beer maker, we'll do an assessment of the uh, important uh, aspects to be mitigated by the beer maker. As an example, your water consumption. What do you do with the water you consume and with the reject of water? How do you treat the water? How do you make sure that it's not polluted when you push it back down in the stream? And that's a material aspect if you're a, a beer maker. That's an example. So we will say to the bank, uh, it has, it, it's material for a beer maker to watch out his supply chain in terms of water. And he did put in place, this company did put in place the processes and the indicators that mitigates and uh, correctly and governs correctly this uh, potential uh, environmental risk related to water. That's what we give to the bankers. So we say the risk is low because they're doing the right thing. Or the risk is really high because they're really doing nothing. So here it's a red flag. So the banker will take the impact assessment. will look at all the uh, material negative uh, activities that needs to be mitigated. And if there's a green light on each of them, we'll say, okay, you're on the right path. And they'll also look at if it's a beer maker and it's this beer maker that decided to employ some uh, handicapped people and says, that's one of part of my mission. He says, oh, that's a plus because he's also addressing some positive and generating some positive impact on the social issues that our society has is uh, hiring handicapped people. That's cool. And he has the right process indicators. So we'll put another uh, green uh, flag saying uh, uh, he's not only mitigating his negative impact, he's always he also thought of how to generate positive impact. And this is uh, uh, more than just a beer maker. He, he does extra thing, added value, which is uh, recognized by its clients that are ready to, to choose these companies instead of others that do not do that. That's what we provide them, the banker with. It's an impact statement that has been verified by our, our impact analysts that says the full picture of what the company does with the negative impact that needs to be mitigated does he mitigate or not, or does he has a process? And with the positive impact that he may uh, generate in when it's its model, so that the banker, the new modern uh, banker, will not only look at the financial aspects, but will look at the impact statement to take a decision of lending and to uh, uh, put the right uh, uh, the right interest rate uh, regarding its risks or its non-risks. Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? And, and for a quick example too, right? If I have solar panels on my roof as a business owner and I'm off the grid, 
And here in California, let's say we have a power outage, I'm going to mm. be able to still be in business, right, and operate. And that's going to reduce my risk in terms of getting that loan. Um, so in a, in a quick sense, that makes a lot of sense. But maybe for another example, it might not, Paul. So what about those examples where you're like, if I'm a business owner, this may be a concessionary return. If I'm investing, I'm going to be spending more money this year. Let's say I have a job that um, it requires a lot of movement around and I can't really hire someone with disabilities to do the job. Um, this is going to hurt me maybe as a company. Your comments on a business that is maybe similar to that. Well, if we look at the system again, as me as a, an individual, it may be better for me not to do X, Y, Z action, but it may not be good for the community in which I live. And if I think of a business, maybe short term, uh, it may be better for me to pollute the water in the river. It's way more easier to take my, my waste and not filter them and just pour them in the, the river. But if you look at the longer term and look at the community that will need to pay for this, in which the banker makes is part of and in which the regulator is part of, makes no sense in midterm and long term. So that's why we need to think a bit longer term, which we never been learned to as uh, in the last 50 years due to the paradigm, their storytelling that that was uh, was uh, was uh, told by the Milton uh, Friedman School of Thoughts. And that's what is the paradigm shift all about. We need to think of our not only short term, but midterm and long term. And we when we think that that way, it may be a short term investment to put a filter on my uh, water and, and the waste, the water waste that I'm pouring in the river. But it's a long term uh, uh, saving in terms of my entire community. So my taxes may be lower because I'm doing that. So at the end. I'll catch up. And that's the thought that needs to be put in place. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, and just for everyone out there listening, what we're referring to is maximizing maybe stakeholder capitalism, your community, your customers, your investors, uh, your employees, everyone that in, in the earth, right? Uh, everyone that's really interacting with your company, all those stakeholders um, really maximizing that value and passing that along throughout the value chain. Question for you, Paul. Um, where do you think this is going in terms of the regulations from the government? And where do you, I guess, even a further question on that, where do you see this or these ratings having the biggest impact? Like in what sector? Is it real estate? Um, is it just the overall business community? Where do you think these regulations will really put the pressure on those businesses or those banks to start? Um, looking at a, a different lens through their loans? Yeah, it, it's a great question. It's a great question. We've seen the energy sector really, really uh, uh, affected by these uh, these rating and these impact assessment. And we've seen uh, 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 this sector uh, really be being uh, kind of uh, in a difficult situation due to the war in, in Russia, mm. in, in Ukraine. And, and but at the end, uh, uh, this sector uh, is is under pressure. But we, everybody agrees that we need to uh, to move on 
and to stop uh, invest in fossil fuel and to tran transition rapidly to all sort of, of diverse sources that uh, needs and to invest in R&D. And if we're serious about it, we'll create some new uh, R&D and some new sectors of uh, the economy that will are exploding today. So energy is definitely one. Food chain. The food chain is, is catching up. Uh, all the food chain. Again, why? Because the food is is really uh, one of the main uh, uh, industry that needs to be uh, to to be rethought in terms of uh, think of the almonds in in in, in California. Mm. It makes no sense the, the amount of water that is needed when you're in a desert where there's no water. It makes no sense to 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 have only one culture in in extract all the water. So we need to rethink the food chain, um, uh, the way we we grow our our food, and the way we we only have uh, industrialized the uh, uh, the red meat as an example. So this is another sector that is being really really uh, uh, affected by impact assessments and impact ratings and and. Uh, in, in in different uh, kind of uh, ways, and and in in transportation uh, also, uh, it it relates to the energy uh, 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 question. But these are all sectors that are really really affected. And your question related to regulations. Well, the regulators in Europe has been uh, given the mandate by the stakeholders of every single countries being their stakeholders to to be more severe in in making sure that every issuer every companies of a certain size issues a report so that the bankers and the investors the re, the retail investors and the citizens can make better choices regarding these aspects so this is a systemic change that is now uh, in, in 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 widely used in Europe that is catching up in the United States even though that there's some 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 pushback from a tradition, even though BlackRock talks a lot, he doesn't walk a lot. But his his talking will catch up because his stakeholder, its its own stakeholders, are saying, "Hey, stop talking! You've been promising stuff that you're not doing real life. It's it's about time you deliver the goods and, and walk the talk." So these are signs that things are moving definitely in the right direction, even though there's a debate in the United States with the SEC saying we shouldn't uh, intervene, we, it's not of our business. But uh, the, if you think uh, to, 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 to the way I was explaining, it's everybody's business to make sure that we survive and we have a healthy environment in, in, in terms of making sure that we, we still have healthy customers to continue business. It makes so much sense. If but we need to think less short term and think midterm and long term, and it's not even thinking of fifty years. We're talking of ten, fifteen, and twenty years. And, and I, you know, I get it, right? There's always going to be pushback, and, and from a, a leadership perspective, you know, not everyone is going to follow uh, your lead, and not everyone's going to agree with what you want to have have done what are some of the challenges paul that you see facing this storytelling this paradigm shift as a whole what's getting in the way well i i like it's about leadership you're real leaders and it's it's you're right on it's about leadership at the end and and you're aware of that saying where the one nine ninety uh saying in marketing there's 
uh, we say that there's one one person having a vision and being a trendsetters that that nine other will follow and will uh, will be uh, con convinced about uh, its vision. And this tipping point of 10% will be shifting the other 90 that will follow without asking questions or without thinking. That's the shift in which we are. I, I would say that the one nine ninety, we in 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 this paradigm shift to towards impact economy, we're past the one. Uh, we're gaining traction toward the ten percent, and uh, the tipping point when it will be achieved. Uh, all of the the rest, you believe in it or not, you'll have no choice in in order to 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 do business, in order to uh, to have this social permit to operate. Um, Paul, thanks for sharing that. And, and you know, there's going to be several challenges, and it's interesting, kind of what's happening in Europe versus maybe here in the United States. And and you know, another instance, I guess, which really formed this next question is, where does this stop? And, you know, like my question is, what's too far? You know, I think about what's happening in China with the the social credit system, and obviously a different you know, generation, a different culture yeah. over there. Um, but you and know, in Iran, what's what's happening in Iran? You're you're right. Uh, it's a great question. It's well, well, you know, a, a change is 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 not uh, is not uh, pure play. It's always with uh, backlashes. With uh, you 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 make two steps in front, and after that, you you go back, and it's it's a complex, but and it's over time. A change happens over time. It, will it be 10 years? Will it be 5, 15 years? I don't know. But for sure, if you take as an example the uh, financial statement uh, standardization, it started in 1933 with the, uh, with the um, uh, they call it the Financial uh, uh, Act in the United States, where to uh, avoid the 19. Uh, 29 crises where everybody was uh, uh, giving the numbers they wanted and th there was a lot of non-transparency and a lot of, of cheating. They said, no, we need now to standardize, we need transparency, and we need to be verified so that the financial statements is an accurate uh, piece of work that everybody can count on to make better decisions. So, But it was in 1933 it started. And the IFRS, the international standards, were were are still in debate, are still growing and being in um, evolving. So it's it's ne a never ending story, even on the financial side. But since then, we have stabilized and we can count, even though some people still cheat. But the the the, the majority of in uh, of financial statement verified by. Uh, auditors, we can count on these numbers and make decisions based on these numbers. And that's exactly what's happening on the what we call the extra financial data, the impact data. We're in exactly going on the right the same path, but on a, 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 with uh, with uh, with ten times the speed. So we see regulators coming, we see uh, uh, standard setters coming, we see that, and it's converging. Some wants to to push back, some wants to go further, but over time. It's written to the sky that you will be able to count on the fact that when a company publishes its audited financial statements and publishes its audited uh, impact statement, you'll be able to take the right decision because those are accurate and verified. So mm -hmm. 
it will take the time and where it goes, I don't know, but for sure it's, it's going in the direction of as human beings, we'll see more and more crises on the environment side that will affect social um, uh, aspects of Im immigration as an example that will uh, generate uh, poor countries and go on, go on and so forth. Right? So as a, as a people, we will want to survive and we'll uh, accelerate and we'll say we have no choice to put that in place in order uh, to, 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 to build a sustainable future. Well, I think that ties in really nice with what you, with what you said earlier about good intention. We need more than just good intention right now. You know, in, in change, in order to change this thing, change moves at the rate of trust. We won't we won't be able to get anywhere unless we trust what people are saying. And so, I really like how you, you tied that into to the reports and the services. And obviously, you know, growing the impact movement would benefit probably both of our businesses. So, the question I have for for you is, what do we need to do right now? to make sure that what we're saying is also with uh, what we're backing up? Well, the first thing is to not uh, not pretend you know everything. It's, it's, you need to be humble and you need to look and search and find ways to be, uh, so that you can be helped through the way. And, and there's, there's professionals there, there's consultants that knows uh, that that are now per, understands what has to be done. So that's the first thing. Be humble about it and start learning and listen and read and and look around and start to to it's it's think the obvious thing is that if you want to transform your business, start by looking what are the activities that are the most material that I need to mitigate first? Do I put the right process in place? And go on and so forth. And step by step attack. It's like when you want to look at a company's finance and you need to turn around. You look at the biggest costs and you attack those costs. And after that, uh, the less bigger costs. And, and after that, you turn around the company. It's the same thing as a as an entrepreneur. And as an individual, what you can do is be an influencer within your organization or as a consumer, think uh, twice. And in, in, uh, as my grandmother said, I'm too poor uh, to buy cheap stuff. And uh, I like that way of thinking. It's, it's you need to invest time and consume uh, whatever you consume on quality uh, products that are locally built, that are uh, taking care of the environment, the social aspects, and that will uh, serve uh, what you need them for on the long term. So these are, 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 are uh, specific things as a human being that you can at least think of and start learning and take action every day you consume, every day you work, and every day you can think of how you could and don't think it'll happen overnight. There's no magical uh, uh, recipe, unfortunately. It's hard work. It's it's being humble. It's learning. And it's understanding that that's, it's not a question if it will happen. It's a question of when. So be part of the, the, the change makers. I, I love that. And being bold, right? Uh, standing up Correct. for what you believe in. Have integrity. Uh, doing the right thing. Being humble. I love all those key components to leadership. Paul, let's bring this home. What is your definition of a real leader? 
Oh my God, I've been asked that for in the, trying to figure that out. But uh, today I can say one thing is a real leader listens. He listens. He's humble and he tries to understand that he can be a leader, but not in every circumstances. In some case, he's not the leader and he needs to get in and to uh, push others to take the leadership in different situations. That's a real leader. Paul beautifully put, and where can people find more information about Impact Ratings? Impactratings.com with a K, I-M-P-A-K. Fantastic. For Paul Allard, I'm Kevin Elmer. asking you to go out there, listen, and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Paul. Thank you so much.